0: that's a good song for us to think about as we start into 2023 some of the words from that song you know no turning back I have decided that's that's the language of commitment it's a language of relationship important relationships in our lives they call uh, they call a decision out of us Uh, a commitment a, a desire to live into a new way if someone matters to you, if there's a connection that's a priority for you, then you, you open your heart and your mind to that person in a new way. You invite them to speak into your life. You, you want to see them moving and working in you. It could be like a, a, we have relationships like this all around us. It could be like a close friend. And whenever you're with them, you you feel encouraged. When you walk away from them, you feel more focused on life. You have more of a direction. You're, You're glad you were with them. And so you've been intentional and you've said, hey, let's get together once a month or every other week and have some coffee. And I just want to spend time with you because this relationship matters to me. It could be a spouse or a significant other, someone you've made a commitment to, and it it doesn't matter how you're feeling in the moment. You've decided to love them, and you're giving yourself to them. There's a commitment that you've made. There's no turning back like Trey was singing. It might be a child or a grandchild that you care deeply about, and you want to invest in them. You want to invest time and energy and even finances into their life. You want them to know that they are valuable to you, that that they they matter in your life. And so you spend time with them and you lean in. Relationships call for... A decision. Just think about the relationships in, in your life a little bit and how they've called for a decision for you. I think about when Angela, my wife and I, when we started dating about um, just over seven years ago, and uh, we met online through uh, an online dating site, as you do these days. And I remember filling out the profile, and it came to that place where it asked for my occupation. There's a drop-down menu, and there was no, like, pastor line. There was no religious leader on that drop-down menu. So I was like, I don't know what to do. Uh, so I took the next best thing, and it was volunteer coordinator. That's what I put down as my job. because That was basically what I was all about back then. Uh, and so the first time we talked on the phone, when Angela and I finally got on the phone and talked together, and I told her I was a pastor, she just laughed out loud. She's like, I can't believe God poured a pastor into my life, you know. She couldn't believe it. And we, we met uh, after a few weeks of talking on the phone. We got together for breakfast on a Saturday morning. That was our first date. And I remember walking into the restaurant, and I, I mean, Guys, I just fell for her right away. I mean, she had me. And uh, we spent a long morning together, about three hours, and we ended up walking around downtown Denver. And as we were heading back to our cars, we we're walking next to each other, and she said, hey, Nate, I'm sorry, I just have to do this. And she, she put her arm out, and she took my arm. And it was like her way of making a decision. You know, it was her way of saying, there's something going on here. Something's happening. That first step in a relationship, they're often filled with so much energy. There's a lot of fear and there's a lot of hope at the same time as you're beginning those kinds of things. Uh, I, I came to the place where I wanted to have that, that DTR conversation with her. You guys know what a DTR conversation is? DTR, define the relationship, you know? What, what is going on here between us? We've been hanging out together. What is, what is this about? And I knew it was time to have that conversation. I was a little terrified like most guys are when it comes to making those kinds of talks. I think, I I could be wrong about this, but I think women have just a greater vocabulary when it comes to commitment and relationship kind of language. They're able to speak about emotions in a a more normal way. Us guys, we get a little jittery about it. But I knew it was something that we needed to do. So as I I headed in, this is uh, several weeks of dating with her, and I headed into the coffee shop to meet her, and she'd been in California for a week with her family and come back, and I knew I wanted to sit with her and say, I'm falling in love with you. I'm lo- I love you. I wanted to say those words to her. Let's talk about our relationship. So I'm like, getting all the nerves up, and I take a deep breath as I sit down at the table, and she's got a little stack of papers in front of her. And before I can say anything, she says, hey, what do you know about retirement plans? <laughs> and uh, she's like, Para has given me all these options. She was an elementary school teacher in Colorado. Said, I don't know which one to choose. So I'm like, okay. So we talked about that for a minute. And then she said, hey, it looked like you were going to say something to me when you sat down. Is there something you wanted to say? So again, another deep breath. Angela, I love you. I I think I'm falling in love with you. And and she smiled, and thankfully, she reflected that affection back to me (laughs) and said, me too. You know, I'm falling in love with you too. And that's the danger of DTRs, because you don't know what's going to come back at you. You know, you kind of put yourself out there. And the worst case scenario is it's met with silence or confusion Or maybe even anger. I mean, I've been in those conversations as well, and they are no fun. I don't want to go back to that. So, you know, we have these uh, conversations. I want you to think this morning, what would happen if you sat down at the table and had a, a DTR conversation with Jesus? If you sat down and looked him in the eye and said, hey, let's talk about us. Let's talk about what's going on between us, how this relationship is going. What would that conversation look like? Uh, You're here this morning at church, you're watching online a Christian worship service. I'm assuming that you're interested in spiritual things, that you're interested in the condition of your soul and your connection with your creator God. And here at Hillcrest, uh, we believe that our relationship with our eternal God is only made possible through a relationship with Jesus. And so we want to talk about that this morning. Last spring, we began to talk about a new vision statement for our church, for our faith community. And we shared this vision statement with you it's pursuing new life together in Jesus, pursuing new life together in Jesus. Every word has some importance to it. And there's two different kinds of relationships in that vision statement. There's that word together, which is our relationship, how we know one another, how we support each other, how we challenge one another. And then there's the second relationship in Jesus, our connection with Jesus of Nazareth. So what would happen if you sat down across the table from him and said, hey, let's define this relationship. Let's talk about what's happening here." Uh, It's interesting to see that Jesus did this with his disciples. He had a DTR conversation with his followers, created a moment to ask them, what do you think about what's going on here? And you find that in in Luke chapter 9. So if you've got a Bible with you, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, verse 18. You can take your phone, open up that Bible app, Luke chapter 9, verse 18. And Jesus here has a conversation with his followers, his disciples, his friends, And says, hey, let's define the relationship. What's going on here? Right before this conversation, he stood in front of a crowd of thousands, over 5,000 people. And he was teaching them, and then it became time they were hungry. He said, let's give them some food. And uh, you might know the story of these 5,000. And basically, he took five hamburger buns and two fish sticks, and he fed everyone that was there and gathered on the field. It was amazing. It was miraculous. It was incredible. You get the feeling from the story that Jesus probably could have taken care of it on his own. Like he probably could have figured out a way to feed everyone without his disciples' help. But that's one of the great parts about that story is that Jesus takes what we have and he multiplies it and he does amazing things with it. That's what he did in that story. And then later he's with his disciples praying. So this is verse 18 of Luke chapter 9. Once when Jesus was praying in private with his disi- and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets from long ago has come back to life. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Initiate the DTR conversation. You know, that's what he's doing right there. And Peter answered, well, you are God's Messiah. You are the chosen one. You are the one who's come to save us. Verse 21, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then Jesus said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. I like how Jesus starts with the crowd. And he says, who do, who do the crowd say that I am? And he goes, hmm, interesting. And, and how about you? How would you define this relationship? And Peter chimes in and says, you are the one. You are the Messiah. Jesus understood that as humans, we have a hard time making commitments to others. We have a hard time surrendering our lives and, and really joining in relationship with other people. It's difficult for us to do that. And so he begins to ask these questions. And, and it's difficult because we know that when someone, when we get into a relationship that's important to us, when we open our heart to someone else, when we say, I want to I be in relationship with you, we ask that question. We know that there's a sacrifice required. We know that there's a cost to that, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean we have to lay something down, let something of ourselves go. And so when Peter says, you are the Messiah, the chosen one, you are the, the Lord of our lives, you're the one we've been waiting for, Peter's saying that like, no longer are we self-reliant. No longer are we independent on our own, focused on our own wants and needs. There is a Lord, there is a, a Savior, there is a, child, a Son of God who has come and called us to himself. When someone captures your heart, you, know, you simply no longer live for yourself. And when that reality dawns on you, you know it's going to cost you something. There's going to be a sacrifice. That's why Jesus says to his friends here, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. I have to deny, take up, and follow Jesus. When you meet God face to face, it changes you. It changes your priorities. And Jesus knew this crowd admired him. He knew the crowd was fascinated with his power and his ability. They showed up because Jesus did incredible things like feeding 5,000 people. He was a good show. He was winning that TV show back then, Israel's Got Talent. Every season, every year, he was bringing it home. People loved to watch and to listen. They were interested in Jesus, but they were not invested in him. They admired Jesus from a distance, but they were not devoted to him. They were casual in their connection with him. They were not committed to him. And someone wrote a book a few years ago called Not a Fan, and it talks about the difference between being a fan of Jesus Impressed with him thinking much of him and being a follower of Jesus And that's what I want you to reflect on this morning as we talk. Are you are you a fan of Jesus? Have you been interested in him has it been fascinating to you or are you a follower of Jesus? Have you laid your life down? For him Have you surrendered all that you are and asked him to lead you in this life, how would you define the relationship? When we take our vision Uh, pursuing new life together in jesus and and you you give it some feet you give it some legs if it's going to come off the poster and actually make a difference in my life in your life and in our neighborhood here uh, we've decided that there's three movements that it's going to require there's three verbs that we want to put to our vision and they're follow welcome and love if we're going to pursue new life together in jesus we're going to have to follow and welcome and love and more specifically we're going to have to follow jesus that's what we want to talk about this morning we're going to pursue a different kind of life. We have to follow the one who created us. And what jesus what's important to Jesus, we want that to be important to us. And what Jesus did, that's what we want to do. What Jesus said, that's what we want to say. We want to follow him. We're going to focus on that this morning. And then we also want to welcome everyone and love all. We're going to talk about that next week. If we're going to be transformed by the Spirit of God, if he's going to use us to change our family and our neighborhood and our community and our world... Well, it's going to take place as we welcome others and as we love all people. It's not going to happen as we make demands, as we boycott, as we tear down people who don't agree with us. The transformation is not going to happen if we huddle up and focus on ourselves and point our finger at the culture around us and blame them for all of our problems. That's not going to bring the new life that Jesus created us for. The transformation is going to happen as we lay our lives down and as we learn to love as Jesus loved us. And how does Jesus love us? In this passage, he says, the son of man must suffer many things. Jesus sacrificed and surrendered and suffered in this life. That's how he showed his love for us. He didn't grasp onto his divinity, but he leaned into his humanity. Welcome everyone and love all. That is our call from Jesus. And it's not a cheap kind of love. It's not a cheap welcome. We don't simply tolerate people. We, we listen to their stories. We lean in and we ask questions. We, we walk with them. And we dream with them about becoming who God created them to be. We help point them in the right direction. We love them well. That's, that's why we follow Jesus. Because of his life and his death and his resurrection, he has transformed us. He has created in us something new, a new life. We are new creations because of what Jesus did for us. Who do you say Jesus is? There's a few verses later here in Luke chapter 9 where Jesus continues to illustrate, what does it look like to be a follower of mine instead of just a fan? How does this actually play out? So if you want to go back to Luke chapter 9, we're going to jump to the end of the chapter 9 to verse 57. Luke has some really long chapters. They're like 50, 60, 70 verses long. And so we're right at the end. Luke chapter 9 verse 57. And Jesus is going to continue to illustrate, what does it look like to surrender your life to him? says, as they were walking along a road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Jesus said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I'll be honest, when I read this passage, I I bring my own insecurities to it, and often I I have a hard time figuring out what is Jesus trying to say to us here? Because in some ways, it sounds a little bit like one of those DTR conversations when you offer yourself to someone and they don't respond to it. They kind of push you away. They say, I'm not interested. Jesus' posture here, it sounds a little bit to me like he's saying, no, you're not going to surrender enough. You're not good enough. You're not doing enough. You you can't be part of what God is doing because you're not going to actually lay your life down. It feels a little bit like he's pretty critical of them. But I think if we step back try to read it again without maybe my, my baggage or my, maybe your baggage, you see that Jesus doesn't deny any of them. He doesn't turn any of them away. He simply challenges their commitment to him. He, he speaks some words that would push them to really evaluate, what am I saying when I say I want to follow you? And he puts that challenge out there. That's what we do in relationships. We say, is this really a relationship that's going to last? I want to test it. I want to see if it's worth the commitment. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's he's doing things. He's asking questions, making statements to to push past the pretty language and the social posturing to, to help reveal the heart of the person that he's talking to. Jesus knew what was in their heart, but he wants to open that up so that they can see it. And so he often said things to challenge people in their approach to him. So we have these three interactions with Jesus that are going to illustrate for us the price it takes to pursue this new life with him. And the first interaction here, uh, Jesus challenges this idea of being a fan of Jesus. Those of us that might just stand on the sideline and cheer what's happening on the field. And he says, if you're going to be a fan, you're not going to be willing to make the sacrifice. True followers are willing to lay their lives down and surrender their lives to the authority of Jesus. And the question that we ask as followers of Jesus is not how do I feel about it or what do I want to do today or what's important to me. We say, Jesus, what's going to lift you up? What's going to light up Jesus? What's going to glorify him? What's going to point people towards him? Because he's the one I'm following. And so this first interaction, Jesus says, you know what? If you want to follow me, it means sacrificing comfort. The man says, I'll go wherever you go. And Jesus says, well, you realize that means that we're never going to arrive at home. We're always going to be moving. We're always going to be open to what God is doing in the world around us. We're always going to be shifting and changing and allowing God to do something new in us to lay down the sacrifice of our comfort, the place, and our possessions. We're not going to cling on to those things. We're going to say, God, we're yours, and whatever you wanted me to do today, I'm going to do. Now, Now, Jesus, of course, he had a home, right? He had a home in Nazareth with his family. There was a place for him to lay his head. Peter, they went to Peter's house and spent time at Peter's house. They had home, So Jesus is not saying there wasn't a home. He was saying that when you get comfortable, God's going to shake things up and maybe move you again, that we don't cling on to these things that we have that bring us comfort. So that home you have, that car, that friendship, that family member, those are all gifts from God. And and you're invited to enjoy them and and, and lean into them and, and love well, but we don't grab onto them. We don't hold onto them. We hold things with open hands because we follow Jesus. We're devoted to him. And he may call us to something new. He might say, I want your family to move and and take on a new kind of thing in this world. I want you to give up your career and do this instead. There are families in our church that moved into neighborhoods specifically because they felt God was calling them into that neighborhood to be part of what he was doing in that place. He might move you from a, a friendship and say, I want you to move into a new community. I want you to have this new friend that you can share what God is doing in the world today. We have to hold on to these things loosely and allow God to shift our focus. If we want to follow Jesus, it might mean sacrificing comfort. And the second interaction Jesus has, it seems particularly cold to me. The man says, I would like to go bury my father. I, I want to be with my family as they grieve. I want to spend time. And Jesus says, well, you know what? You, you go and tell others about the kingdom of God. Let dead, the dead bury their own dead. And what Jesus is saying is, if you want to follow me, it means sacrificing priorities. There are scholars that debate about this passage. Was was the man saying that his father had died and there was funeral things taking place right then? Or was he saying, wait, I would like to wait till my father dies. It could be months or years. but I want to wait, get my inheritance, and then I'll be ready to go. You know, just give me some time. He had other priorities. So just wait a little bit for me. Whatever the backstory was, the point that Jesus wants to make here is that there can be nothing, no other priority in our lives than the kingdom of God. Our affection for Jesus should not be challenged by other affections. And if it is, we need to lay those things down. And the key word in this man's response is when he says first. First. So you could circle that word first. First, let me go. First, let me do something else. Let me take care of something. And Jesus says, no, the first thing you do is go and share the kingdom of God with others. Call others to what they were created for. Now, there's several places in Scripture and several places in Jesus' life where he tells us to take care of our families, to love our families well, to invest in them, make sure they're taken care of. Jesus, while he's hanging on the cross, he looked down at his friend John, and he looked at his mother Mary, and he said, John, this is your mother. Mother, this is your son. He was saying, I want my, my family to be taken care of. John, I want you to take care of my mom. Jesus wasn't saying to this man that he could you know he could just dismiss his family. He wasn't saying to this man that to treat his family poorly. He was challenging his priorities saying let's keep the first thing the first thing the third man says to Jesus hey I'm I'm not just a fan I want to follow you and then he says that word again but first let me go first let me take care of a few things just hold on a few minutes Jesus I'll be right with you I want to do something else first and Jesus says if you want to follow me it means sacrificing control and he talks about a plow he says you don't put your hand to the plow and then turn back and, and, and he, he's connecting us to a story in the Old Testament. What's amazing about Jesus and in his, in his culture and his context, he was around with the Jewish people, men and women who had their whole life studied the Old Testament scriptures. There were 15 and 16-year-old men with Jesus who had memorized every word of the Old Testament. They knew the stories. And so Jesus could pull out one word and say the word like plow. Or he could say the word seed. And their mind would pop back to all the Old Testament stories that connect to it. And so that's what Jesus is doing with them here. He's taking them back to 1 Kings 19. When Elijah was the prophet of God. And he was calling out a new leader, Elisha. And he was kind of giving his mantle, his his leadership over to Elisha. And in 1 Kings 19, I want to read the story to you. Because they would have known that Jesus would have said plow. And they would have thought of this story. And so here's what the story is. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shephath. And Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. There's that word plowing. He's plowing. So there's the connection. He himself was driving the 12th pair. And Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around Elisha. Now that's the Old Testament way of saying, you're my man. You're, you're next in command. I'm calling you out. You're going to carry my mantle on as I finish up my job as the prophet of Israel. And Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He said, first, let me go back and kiss my mother and my father goodbye. Let me say goodbye. Again, that's another connection to what Jesus was doing here with this man who said that to him. So Elisha, um, let me go back. And Elijah replied, what have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. And he took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. And he burned the plow equipment to cook the meat. And he gave it to the people. He fed his family a meal and they ate and then Elisha set out after to follow Elijah and become his servant. Now in this story, Elijah lets Elisha go back, but that's really not the point that uh, that Jesus is trying to make. Do you see what Elisha did when he went back? He went back and he he slaughtered the ox, the oxen, and he and he burned the plowing equipment and and created a feast. He made an offering, and it was his way of saying, you know, this is who I am. I'm a farmer. I plow the field. This is, uh, this is how I provide for my family. It's how I understand myself. This is my identity. I'm a farmer. And so I'm going to burn all of that down. I'm going to just put that behind me because I've been called out to something else. I've been given a new identity, a new focus. I can control this stuff. I know how to plow fields. This is what I can control. And I'm leaving that behind and, and heading out to something I can't control into a world of this, of Elijah. You know, I'm following him. I, I can't control what happens here. That's what Jesus was inviting us to consider. Now, I don't think Jesus is going to call you to burn your computer or your lab coat or your delivery truck, whatever it is you use for your career. I don't think that would, that's what Jesus is going to call you to do. But he is saying that your identity, how you understand yourself, the things you can control in your life, you've got to lay those things down. And when you follow me, it means you're giving me control. You're trusting me to be faithful and good in your life and that whatever I bring you to, wherever I call you out to, that that I, I have your best interests at heart, and I'm going to use it to refine you and challenge you and grow you up in faith. Keep your focus forward on the kingdom of God, and don't look back at all those other things that you can control or that control you. You're into a new kind of life. Give up comfort. Give up other priorities. Give up control. If we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to pursue this new life together, we must give our Lord and our leader our full devotion, all that we are, total access to our lives, all that we hold valuable. If there's anything that has a priority over the way of Jesus, if there's anything that keeps us from moving because, uh, because we're comfortable, if there's anything that holds us back because we feel like we've got control, we have to lay those things down and open our lives up to, to God and say, I am yours. What do you want of me? What do you want me to do in this world? You're the one who saved me. You are the one I've been waiting for. You're the one I follow. When Jesus says, who do you say that I am? How are you going to answer that question? I want to finish up by giving you some practical uh, next steps here. Some, Some ways to live out this desire to follow Jesus. If you're saying, yeah, I want to follow him. I want to give you some ways to do that in this new year as we move forward together. And this is where I want to, again, like Kathy said, pull, pull out your connection card because there's some ways that you can um, take these next steps that you can let us know on the card so we can follow up with you. So you can fill this out digitally. You can pull a copy off the seat back in front of you there. If you're watching online, it's on the front page of the website, hillcrestcove.org. And I want to invite you just to pull it up and have it in front of you as we go through some of these ideas and, and let us know if you want to Take a step with us. Engage with us in some ways this year. Three ways that you can take a step. First, uh, we follow Jesus in community. We don't do this alone. We walk with others around us. We read scripture together. We pray together. We serve together. We heal together. We do this together. So as we begin this new year, it's a great time to join a small group or a support group over the next few months as we're moving into the year. At Hillcrest, our small community groups exist. And I want to read this right off the page because it's, it's the description of the objective statement for our small group leaders. Our small groups exist to create an ongoing intentional conversation that empowers people to fully live out God's calling. They take place in in a safe and engaging environment that focuses on relationships, Bible study, and service. Those are the three things we do together in community relationships, Bible study, and service. So two times a year, we we challenge you. Would you join up with 10 or 12 other people for 10 or 12 weeks and read scripture together and pray for one another and grow in faith together? Angela and I, this last fall, had a group that we were a part of and we loved getting together around the kitchen table and spending time with those friends and reading scripture together and, and growing together through the fall. So this might be a great time for you to check out a small group. And you can find information in the lobby. We have these cards out on the stand in the lobby there that list the different groups that are starting up right now. You can find this on the website. On that connection card, you can check the little box. It said uh, Group Life for Adults. I'd like to know more about groups here at Hillcrest. And we'll follow up with you and help you make some connections. You can talk to me, Nate Severson, Kyle Stagnito, our leaders. Of the small group ministry here. Let us know what you're interested in. There's also several support groups starting up, and, and Kathy began to mention those this morning. Uh, groups, support groups are really for p- groups for people who are going through some challenging times, going through some difficult situations. And it's good to sit with others that are going through the same kind of challenge as you are and, and pursue God together and seek God's face in the midst of that valley. And so we have two support groups starting around uh, Grief Share this month at different times each week, two different groups. And uh, you can, if you've been through a loss in the last year or two years, someone close to you has passed away, you're grieving things, uh, sit with others who are going through that journey together and pray for one another and and pursue God together. Those are starting up this month and you can get connected. Natalie, our support group coordinator, has also put together a once a month support group for those facing the challenging of aging. Those of you who are are aging and going through that challenge, sit with others who can share that story. I've talked to a lot of retired people and they say, Nate, growing old is not for the faint of heart. You know, is hard work getting older and to sit with others who are facing that as well and to encourage one another. That's a a great thing that you can do. Natalie's also put together those coffee talks, those one-offs that that, uh, Kathy mentioned, where you can show up for a few hours on a Saturday or a Wednesday night and just lean into a topic that means something to you and means something to those around the circle. And so those are coming up as well in this month and the months that follow. All the information about our support groups is out there in the lobby as well on the cart. You can find all this on our website as well. So just encourage you to look into it and let us know if you're interested in making those connections. So that's one thing, group life, getting connected together. Second, we follow Jesus into baptism. Baptism is is one way you can publicly define the relationship in your church. To say, here's who I'm about. I want to follow Jesus and I want to make that public. And baptism is this great image of our lives being given over to Christ. So when you're baptized, you go underneath the water and it's like you're dying to yourself and you come out of the water. It's like you're rising to a new way of life. And baptism is an outward expression of what God is doing inside of you. So on January 29th, we're going to have a time of baptism at both services on that Sunday morning, and maybe it's time for you to take that step. You, you've been following Jesus, but you've never been baptized, and now is the time to say before your, your friends here, your church, to say, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I want, to, I want to be baptized. As followers of Jesus, we want to do what Jesus did, and Jesus was baptized, so we get baptized as well. It's coming up on the 29th. So on that card, you can check the little box that says, um, I'm interested in baptism. That's coming up. And let us know that you're interested in that. Last one here, we follow Jesus in giving. Can we celebrate just for a minute? All through December, we talked about our Advent conspiracy as we conspired to not just spend money on ourselves, but to spend money to make a difference in a different place in the world. And we talked about Bethel Mission in Nicaragua. And we set a goal of $38,000 to support the work they're doing in Nicaragua. And Hillcrest, you came through. We raised $49,000 for Bethel Mission. Yeah, that's really amazing. So Anna and her team are going to be able to start, she's going to be able to mobilize her community to build some classrooms, to build some sports fields for the families and kids that live and work in the city, trash dump there, those that are living on the edge of existence that she's been reaching out to over the last several years. And, And you gave, and lives are going to be transformed. And what's really exciting is that some of us, many of you maybe are going to be able to go next summer and visit Anna to go down to Nicaragua. We're planning a trip where we can go and and learn from her and learn from the other leaders down there and just celebrate what God is doing through them in their neighborhood as they're seeking to make a difference. And of course, we're trying to do that here in our community as well. Tomorrow night, several of us are going to be heading up to KC for the worship wagon under the bridge as we sit with those who are experiencing homelessness and and we're going to share communion with them and worship with them and uh, we're meeting here at 515 tomorrow night. This is... These are things that we do. We celebrate this generosity of our lives. So we, uh, we set a goal for our year-end giving as well, and I don't know what that final number is, but I know it was a big ask. It was a big goal. Uh, God can do big things, so we'll see how that turns out. But one of the things I do know is that you gave sacrificially, and you gave from your, from, from your hearts, and um, you know we're, we're really... Uh, amazed at what God is doing. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And it's very obvious that your hearts are here in this community. You, you are giving sacrificially. So we just want to celebrate giving to Jesus. So I want to encourage you to continue to make that a priority in your life. And, you know, whenever you have something to give, you can drop those in the joy boxes in the back of the room. Yeah, we celebrate generosity here. So whenever we say the word joy box. We celebrate generosity, so that's just what we do. So we want to continue to live that out. You can set up that onli- online giving as well, reoccurring giving. I just want to encourage you to do that so that we can continue to see God do new things through us. We follow Jesus first. He is our priority. We, we don't follow the chiefs first. They had a good game yesterday, but we don't follow them primarily. We don't follow social media first. We don't follow horoscopes and star charts and readings. We don't follow spiritual leaders. We follow Jesus. So as we move into 2023, I want to challenge you to follow him with your whole heart, with all that you are, to open your hands to him and say, Lord, whatever it is that's a priority for me that's in the way, anything that's making me comfortable that I'm clinging to, Anything that is taking first place in my life that is not you, might I lay those things down? Anything that's in the way, you need to ask God to help you dethrone those things in your heart and enthrone Jesus. Give him first place. If you want to define the relationship with Jesus this morning in a new way, you can do that right now. We're going to pray together and you can say, you know what? I've been a fan of Jesus for a long time but I've never really surrendered my life to him. I've never been a follower. I've never received that forgiveness and laid my life down and said, I I want my life to be all about you, Jesus. You can define that relationship right now, this morning as we pray. I want to encourage you to to do that. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. They're going to come in a moment here. And and, uh, I want to invite you to stand with me right now. If you would, would you stand up with me? I want to invite our prayer volunteers to come up front. We're going to finish up this morning by praying together. And the worship team is going to play some instrumental music as you're leaving. So that's why they're coming up. But, but I want to pray with you as we finish up this morning. And, uh, and let you talk to Jesus about that relationship. And, and talk about what, how you want that to look as we're heading into this new year. So will you bow with me and, and let's talk to God together. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the words of scripture, for the stories they tell of, of Jesus when he walked the earth 2,000 years ago. The kinds of things that he said, the kinds of things that he did that help us today to understand what does it mean to be in relationship with the God who created us, with our eternal God. Father, you have revealed your love to us through your son, Jesus. And you are good. And you are faithful And you are trustworthy. No matter what our lives look like today, Lord, we know that in a room like this, there's all sorts of stories. There's some here that are really struggling. There are some here who have lost a relationship. There's some here that are wondering about a job, about a a kid that's wandering away from you, Lord. And we all have our questions. We have our concerns. And you meet us in the midst of that. You are such a good God. You're so faithful to us. And right now, Lord, if there's anyone here And wants to surrender their lives to you fully. They're realizing that they're impressed with Jesus, but they've never made a commitment to him. Lord, I pray that you would speak to their hearts right now. If God is putting that on your heart, then there's just a prayer you can pray with me. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I give up everything I am for you. I receive the forgiveness that you offer me. Because of my own rebellion, my own sin, the ways that I've pushed away from you, you have forgiven me and I receive that forgiveness. And I lay my life down. I open my hands to you. And I invite you to create in me a new life, a new creation. Spirit of God, would you speak to the hearts of those you're calling right now? Might they respond to you? We thank you for this time together, Father, as we begin this new year. Continue to transform us, that we might truly pursue this new life together in your son Jesus' name. It's in his name we pray. Amen. As you go, take those connection cards, and again, let us know how you want to respond, the steps you want to take. Go now with Jesus. Shine his light in your neighborhood and your family. We'll see you next Sunday. Go with God. Amen.